You're listening to episode 158 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Guys, I gotta figure it out. We've been trying to figure out what's gonna make the dominoes fall that's gonna cause Krakoa uh, in X-Men, you know, fall apart. So I say to you, all of my hoxpoxketeers, I have it figured out. I know how this is all going to end. All right. So Jean Grey is going to be pregnant, and when she gives birth, it's going to be very unclear whose baby it is. You sure? I feel like uh, it's gonna, one's definitely going to come out much more hairy than the other. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Plus, I hear that any time a Canadian is born, there's like a little maple leaf down there to, <laughs> you know, protect their shame. So baby's baby's coming out one of three ways. It's going to be coming out really hairy, shooting eye beams, or bald, 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 bald. Why would it be bald? Mm, Professor Xavier, the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, you're a creep. Hey, man, I'm just telling you, I'm not writing these books, but I know who is. Jonathan Hickman is, and I'm pretty sure this is where it's going. So that was, even, I... that was, that was too saucy even for me. <laughs> Jonathan Hickman only writes, like, one of these books now, too. Yeah, but he's, he's writing the main narrative. I don't like what you're doing. I'm spitting hot truth. Sp- Spit you're spitting hot doo-doo. Let's let's slow the podcast down to a screeching halt here. No profanity, <laughs> please. Well, that's my philosophy. You potty mouths uh, can't help yourselves. That's true. I really can't. And that's how you can tell that I'm back on the show because we've got order now. I don't know what the hell you guys were doing last week. Well, but, I did uh, my best, dude. I had to return to rein things in. Oh, what happened? I wasn't here. Yeah, I thought we had a pretty orderly show because you weren't around. <laughs> because Phil hey. wasn't around? Yeah, not you. You're, oh, you're, you're not, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the ratings and like the two certified draws of the Comics Pals weren't on and the ratings were in the toilet. That's unfortunate. Yeah, uh, that's what happens when we're not here. But that's okay because the A-listers have returned. Yeah. Damn. So now I'm a B-lister. All right. That's cool. <laughs> let's not let's not be too generous to you, okay? Oh. Oh. Man. All right. All right. That's cool. That's fine. I'm not the one making fart noises over there. Comedic <laughs> brilliance of Mr. Phil Casey. That's fine. He's the draw. That I don't. I don't know. I don't know who's watching this show. As it turns out, nobody. Uh, <laughs> I can already hear Ryan clicking away. (laughs) (laughs) Our one guy. No, uh, thank you for listening to us. If you are unfamiliar, we are the Comics Pals. And uh, we're going to talk about comics for the next, you know, two hours. Three hours, man. No. No, no, no. Uh, And I want to let you guys know where you can find us all over the internet. We are on most podcast hosting platforms at the Comics Pals. If there's a particular place you want us to be and we're not, write us an angry letter and we will ignore you. Hey! Uh, You can get us wherever your social media is sold at the Comics Pals. And you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com with anything it is that you want to talk about because we want to talk to you. 
Uh, also, we've got a ton of interviews up on our YouTube page. We've got different non-interview stuff coming down the pipe. So jump over there, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell so that you know when all of our content is up. Check out the interviews and other stuff. If you like it, leave a like, leave that thumbs up. All that stuff is free to do and it helps us out a lot more than it costs you. If you are watching Watchmen, we are too. And you should definitely go check out our We Watched Watchmen review series for the nine episodes of the show. We'll drop our review uh, as the episodes come out. We've been having a lot of fun with that, so go check that out. And the most recent one, we actually had uh, Jess, Kale's wife, also co-host of Gone Global, the other podcast that uh, Kale does. It was a really good one, so you're definitely not going to want to miss that. Lots of cool stuff going on here in Pals Land. Last week, we dropped the Uzumaki Book Club. That was a doozy. Oh, uh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, so, yeah, yes. If you are still feeling spooky, then <laughs> you should, uh, wow. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> too much, too yeah. much. So it's a little spookier than that, but uh, <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Speaking of spooky... Ooh. This is not related to comics at all, so bear with me. Oh, I'm done. Looking out. My question for you guys is what is the weirdest thing that has happened to you? What is the spookiest thing that has happened to you this Halloween season? Hmm. This Halloween season? Yeah. Nothing. I didn't go out. All right. So, in that case, what's the creepiest thing that's happened to you in Halloween season ever? Yo, one time I went trick or treating around the old neighborhood I used to live. Um, we we're by, I feel like a dentist's house or something, and um, these group of I guess like older fifteen-year-olds. I was maybe ten at the time, uh, with a group of friends, came out with uh, what looked to be actual machetes. And um, like uh, I forget what, what mask, uh, an, an assorted array of like you know murder masks, um, and we got chased down the block. I remember one kid tripping. Uh, <laughs> did you stop to help him? What? Or did no, you dude, I was running, son. <laughs> um, and yes, I remember that being very terrifying. Um, that's the, the creepiest thing that's happened to me. I've been chased by guys with what appeared to be real life uh, machetes. Oh, shoot. That's horrific. What do you got, Petey? Uh, I, I had a, a somewhat similar experience, but I was so, <laughs> I was so young that I, I, I don't remember it quite right. But like the way that I have it in my mind is I want to say I was like, I think I was like probably five or six years old and um, I was trick or treating with, uh, you know, with my my mom and a bunch of the other kids in my neighborhood or whatever. And the parents were kind of all like in the street, you know, parents and the in kids the street. were just like walking up to and from the houses. And I remember a bunch of us going up to this one house and uh, I guess the, the guy who owned the place, like as soon as we got up came out of the bush and had a chainsaw like an actual chainsaw with no chain on it so it was loud what? as fuck 
You know, so it was like, you know, I'm this little kid like, oh, trick or treat. And then all of a sudden it's like, and I was like, whoa. And I remember literally just like pushing another kid out of the way and fucking tearing ass. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's like, nope. Phil? I remember I went to stay with a friend at a log cabin in the woods. His family rented one out. And, uh... You know, it was like the first night I was there, and it was really weird. Uh, I uh, was sleeping in the same room as my friend, because we were kids, and uh, his dog was there. <laughs> you had to qualify that one, right? Because <laughs> we, we were kids. Again. <laughs> as 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 children are wont to do. Um, and we, we kept hearing this loud banging in the attic while we were asleep. It was really weird. But... Uh, no, they were not sleeping in the attic. Well, maybe they were. Maybe they weren't sleeping much. Um, and uh, I said to my friend, I was like, is everything, like, what's going on up there? And he's like, well, uh, as long as the dog isn't freaked out, I'm not freaked out. And I said, that makes sense. So I went back to bed. <laughs> but when we woke up, and this is before the parents, uh, there were all these kind of like little figurines lined up on the stairs when you go down, and they were all knocked on the floor. And uh, in the attic, uh, apparently everything was just thrown about. And we stayed there for an entire weekend, and so this happened the second second night as well. Uh, supposedly, uh, the person who owned that house at some point uh, slept in the attic. His bed was up there, and there was a chest that he had all his belonging, belongings in. And I was told this after the fact, but like when his parents went back in the attic and sorted it the way they found it, all that noise stopped because this happened both nights I was there. But as soon as they sorted the attic back to the way they found it, this person who lived there before who died there uh, it stopped happening <laughs> oh my god yeah screw that yeah th- so both nights I uh, it's like this loud doom 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 in the attic and like everything's thrown about the next day but you know as soon as they fix it this is what I was told that stopped Sean would have been out that uh, first night without question <laughs> There's no doubt. Oh, you got something weird going on in your attic? Hide, right, I'm gonna head out. <laughs> nah. So the way it seems is this: this guy who used to live there, he just wanted his attic back. He got it. <laughs> he got it. <laughs> I feel that. Um. Yeah. So as for me, I was uh I was living in in this uh small town, and. Uh, there was this weird spiral in the sky. Nice. And yeah, I remember this lady walked up to me and she had her uh, a hole carved down her face. There was a spiral. Did you smash? <laughs> no, I was nine. What the hell? <laughs> nah, I got nothing. Go listen to our Uzumaki book club. The creepiest thing that's happened to me recently is I was doing the dishes and a mouse walked over my foot and I screamed in horror. At <laughs> so, yeah. That was no mouse. <laughs> it better have been because if it wasn't, then... We got issues. Yeah, I got a problem. It actually used to be a kid, uh, and then it turned into a mouse, and then a spiral. <laughs> it used to be a kid. <laughs> it was definitely some sort of anamorph. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, some, it could have been. A boy trapped in his mouse form. <laughs> Weird. 
All right. Uh, <laughs> let's do some pals pulls. Marco's up first, and he chose BB Free number one. So BB Free is actually being written by Gar- Gabby Rivera, uh, Sean. Oh, yeah, from America, right? So, uh, from America. Uh, I- I'm sure long-time listeners will remember we, we complained about uh, America, and we were very critical of it. Um, so, this is Gabby's return to a very similar character. Uh, it's, a, it's a black, uh, a black, I think, lesbian girl, if I'm correct. Um and essentially, she's she's taking like another stab at it. And I, I what I want to go is see you know how she sort of writes in a more le- in a less constrained element because I don't think that necessarily what she was doing with America was wrong. It was just sort of not. Uh, it felt very. I need help. It felt like how many, how many Latin X. Uh, stereotypes can we throw into one yeah. comic? And that wasn't something that uh, I think Sean and I appreciated, and and so like hopefully in this, uh, in this attempt, you know, we can sort of see something a little more authentic come through. Uh, mm. So it was one of the reasons that I wanted to to pick this up. Um, and yeah. Cool. Uh, have you seen any of the art at all? Yeah, the art's great. Uh, it's it's uh, a little more. I want to say that like cartoonish. It has some some Shaner vibes actually, in, cool. in terms of like the thicker the, those thicker lines. Um, and it looks like it's gonna be like a, a fun little story. It's based out of it's based out in uh, Florida. So okay, like that. And uh, Phil chose green lantern black stars number one yeah folks um if you uh if you like Grant morrison liam sharp and if you want to see how to do bad things undercover this is the way to go uh this is the the conclusion of their uh dope ass 12 issue green lantern series uh these black these black star books i can't remember how many there are there's at least two might be three maybe more maybe i'm just wrong about everything Maybe, but uh, I think three sounds right. Yeah, if you like a a kind of like undercover cop story, uh, this is this is this is the shit for you. Uh, The shit Hal has had to do to be part of the Black Stars uh, has been really fucking crazy. Uh, Don't sleep on it. Pick it up. Pete chose League of Legends Lux trade. Yeah, so a while ago, uh, Riot Games, who are the people behind League of Legends, made a deal with Marvel to produce some comics based on their characters. Um, I've heard some pretty good things about this Lux book, um, and Lux is my favorite champion from the game. So uh, now that it's in trade, I'm thinking I might give it a shot and see see if it's any good. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I chose Dead Eyes number two. Now, those of you with long memories will understand this book as Dead Rabbit. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah. Uh, and way back then, there was a whole controversy. There's a New York bar called Dead Rabbit, so Image got sued or whatever, and they had to change the name of the book, and it's finally coming out. I was hesitant to buy this. Um, I don't really know why. I just had a weird thought about it, but I gave the first issue a shot, and it is actually very, very, very good. 
Uh, I think Marco, you would probably like it. I feel it's yeah? a yeah. So uh, long story short, it's a retired thief who he's a thief, but he doesn't steal from good people or anything like that. He just hits the mob and stuff like that. Um, so he kills mobsters, steals their money, that type of jazz. And he's retired, um, but he's kind of got that itch. So, you know, a series of events are kind of leading him back down that path, that old path. Um, and so it has all that hard-boiled noir stuff that you that you would love and expect. Um, and I really like that vibe. I was very much in the mood for that because I've been reading Criminal, and that gives you similar thoughts and feelings. So this slots right in there for me. And uh, I'm really enjoying it. Jerry Duggan is is uh, doing a really good job on oh, it. Oh, that's right, Duggan. Yeah. Yeah, and he's hot off of uh, Marauders as well. So, uh, if you enjoyed what he did there, then it's worth checking out. Yeah, maybe I'll check that one out. I was a big fan of of the voices he had in Ex- um, not Excalibur. That's what we're reading this week. Um, in Marauders, so maybe I'll check this one out too. Yeah, uh, and John McRae on art did a really really great job as well bringing that again that noir feel um it's a, it's a great comic uh and then marco and i both chose undiscovered country number one yeah boy yeah what's your excitement level for this uh i mean i'm a i'm a charles soul fan so like whenever he comes out with something i'm 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 gonna try to support it and this is with scott snyder so you know that's that's an even bigger I guess it's a sign that this is something that's going to be quality. I feel like they've been working on it together for a little bit. I think they had mentioned that in some interviews. So yeah, uh, I'm excited for that. I, I I don't even know what the premise is. I, I'm just like, oh, cool. This is Snyder and Soul. All right. So- we talked about this a while ago. I remember this is like that, like like the United States like borders itself off from the rest of the world, right? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay. Uh. This is way into the future, and the U.S. has long since cut itself off from the world. Uh, there's a, uh, a virus that's spread across the country, and the U.S. probably doesn't have it because they've been cordoned off. So a team of scientists go into what is what was the U.S., trying to see if they can cook something up, some kind of cure for the rest of the world. But uh, we don't know yet what the U.S. is actually like. So should be cool. Uh, Charles Soule, Scott Snyder, uh, Giuseppe Camoncoli, who I love. Uh, I, I think that guy is amazing. His run with Dan Slott on uh, All New, All Different Spider-Man was just crazy. And so I'm very much looking forward to this think it's gonna be hot cool all right so let's talk about uh let's talk about hbo max let's jump into the news talk about hbo max this is something that has been weird for a while in terms of what it was going to offer now they they recently broke down the floodgates we we know so much information about what hbo max is going to be Um, For those of you who care, it will be a $15 streaming service or it will be bundled in with HBO if you already have a subscription to that. So that's actually pretty cool, I would say. Um, 
But yeah, it's a really good deal, actually. Yeah, yeah. But most of the 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 information that comes out of this announcement is not pertaining to us. They're gonna have you know a bunch of movies over there. Um, or I should say, uh, DC movies over there. Um, they're gonna have the Flash or the the Arrowverse shows over there. Uh, Doom Patrol season two will actually be concurrent from HBO Max and a DC Universe app. But the the real meat was three DC shows that will be exclusive to HBO Max. And so the first one that everybody is excited about is Green Lantern. Yeah. Yeah, that's like pretty interesting. Okay. Really? Yeah, isn't it like if I'm not mistaken, these are more like Greg Berlanti shows, right? So, yes, uh, it is a uh, Greg meh. Berlanti show. Oh, in okay. in that in that he is uh, going to be, uh, you know, bringing bringing this to life. However, keep in mind that Greg Berlanti also had a a, a major hand in Doom Patrol and Titans. Doom Patrol. Is okay. one of the more celebrated things to come out, certainly out of the DC Universe mm-hmm. app, and one of the better shows from comics in the last few years. And Titans, even though a lot of people hated on it before it came out, now that it's actually out, I would say most people who have watched it say it's pretty good. Yeah, they're pretty high on it. Yeah, I, I loved it. Oh, fair enough. A lot of people love Flash and Green Arrow and Supergirl, and so like, I don't know. Uh, I I don't feel anything toward this. Uh, I'll have to see some footage. I think first. Hmm. I guess I'm more on its face like interested in it because I think the, I'm I think a the idea of a Green Lantern show sounds better than a Green Lantern movie to me because like I feel like with you know. Um, Green Lantern, like, effectively being, like, a space cop. Like, it would be really sick to have, like, a almost, like, procedural cop-style show about Green Lantern. I feel like that could be really cool, you know? Um, there was that Green Lantern cartoon from, a, like, about six years ago, if you remember that. It was a Bruce Tim joint. Uh, that was really good. Yeah. That makes sense. I feel that you're right, Pete, that there there is a world in which there can be a really good... Green Lantern show. Uh, Greg Berlanti did say that the show promises to be the biggest DC show ever made, and that's cool. I want them to redeem the Green Lantern movie, and I don't feel that you can do that on TV because I want Green Lantern to be massive. Massive in a way that just... TV doesn't afford you. Um, they do say that some of it will take place in space. That's fine. Not all of it needs to take place in space because, of course, Hal Jordan is a human. But I really don't want to see a character like Green Lantern constrained by budget. Uh, he's just one of those that I feel you gotta go. You gotta go all out, and so we don't have enough detail to know how far they're gonna take this show. But they can't skimp anywhere for this to be very, very good, in my opinion. 
I agree. Um, I, I, I think Green Lantern, in a very unique way, maybe in a way similar to the Fantastic Four, has had a little bit of IP poisoning from bad movies. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think you're right, Sean. I think ultimately what would kind of change course of public perception is if a really good movie came out. Um, I think the real question here is, which Green Lantern does this show center around? Is it Hal or is it one of the many other lanterns? I would imagine Hal. You know, could be Kyle, could be Jon Stewart, could be Guy Gardner. There's a lot of guys and stuff you can choose between. There's only one guy. That's true. You know what, Pete? That's a very good point. No one can argue with that. <laughs> Thank you. He mooned Batman there was supposed once. To be, there was supposed to be a Green Lantern movie in development. And it's supposed to be a sort of uh, buddy cop. Is not like it, It's probably the best way to describe it. Uh, and it's supposed to be Hal and John. And... I'm down for that. I'm really into that idea. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember? Do you guys remember when there was they were talking about doing a Jack Black centered Green Lantern movie? It was like a comedy, like ooh, six no. years ago or so. That, no, I'm glad I don't. Yeah, that was that was something that was in the mill supposedly. I wonder. I wonder if the plan is for them to to Phil's point, right? That the Green Lantern has had a bit of IP poisoning, like show. Like, oh, here's a good version of Green Lantern, and then get a movie in production? The problem is that I don't know if I believe that DC will do one season, or Warner, whatever, will do one season and then make it into a movie. I think if the show is Mm. successful, they'll just keep rolling with that. Well, they might make a spinoff separate movie. That was yeah. That's more what I meant. Like in the way that they had the Flash show, and that was a hit. And then they're like, "Oh, we're gonna still put Flash in the movies." Like, I could see them doing like a thing where they want to double dip and have the movie, the TV version, and then the movie version. Yeah, because like, I can imagine a scenario where um, Phil, I, I, I'm sure you've enjoyed the the serialized nature of Green Lantern as Grant Morrison's been writing it. Like, I, I, I can imagine this potentially being something alongside that. Um, and being something of quality, especially with a backed by HBO and all that stuff, um, and especially considering Doom Patrol and the success of Swamp Thing, like I, I, I kind of have trust in in DC at this point for their TV stuff, uh, wow. especially when it comes to their the streaming thing. So I, I expect this to be somewhat to be of quality, at least based off of something that we've seen in Doom Patrol and Swamp Thing, um. There was a question in there that I meant for Phil, and I forgot what it was. All right, I'm glad I answered it. Yeah, <laughs> did great, bud. So, uh, Green Lantern the movie was actually written and created story-wise in part by Greg Berlanti. He was actually the first writer to be brought on board uh, to work on the movie. The, the one well, from 2009 with Ryan Reynolds? The one from 2011. Oh, there's my timeline. Yeah. Um, from my understanding with that film, uh, there was like a lot of good stuff in there, but they rushed the production and they edited a lot of it in post. 
to the point where it was supposed to be very bad. And, and apparently they, it, they rushed it out like six months in advance or something. That It's one of the most forgettable movies I've ever seen. Well, uh, the movie finished shooting in August of 2010. And it came out in June of 2011, so that's a pretty that's not bad at all. Uh, what have whatever happened behind the scenes? I'm, I'm sure it was a mess, but. Ouch. <laughs> so what what were the other shows that they announced? You said that they announced a few shows. Yeah, so there were there were a couple more shows. Uh, we got the announcement of a Strange Adventures show. It's going nice. to be a, an anthology series. Okay. Live action. Uh, and it's going to essentially be... I'll, I'll read it right here. Uh, it's going to be... Uh, the show... Wait, where is it? Okay. Cautionary Tales set in a world where superpowers exist. So, kind of a Twilight Zone, Black Mirror type thing. Not necessarily horror, but just an anthology series. But there'll be Cautionary Tales. So, in that regard... It'll be very similar to those shows. Yeah, I mean that sounds cool. It does, and interesting title, "Strange Adventures," makes me, of course, think of Adam Strange. Yes, sir. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this involves him somehow. Hell yeah, it sounds great. Uh, I I like anthologies. I like serialized things. Uh, it, depending on who's behind it. Uh, it's on premise alone. Interesting. So again, we have Greg Berlanti. Uh, he's wah, teaming wah. up with uh, Sarah Schechter. Uh, she's going to be the uh, she's going to be one of the people running this thing. She's from Arrow, Flash, and Supergirl fame. And then the showrunner will be John Stevens, who did Gotham and Gossip Girl. Um. Both of those people will also serve as executive producers. My problem is that clearly they're staying within the CW, you know, like Fox creative TV. lineup. Yeah, like it, yeah. it's it's just the same people, and I hope that that doesn't, um, you know, those shows are not. I don't like them, so I hope that 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 doesn't mean that I'm not going to like this either. Yeah. We'll have to see. Because, I mean, to to the point you made, though, Sean, right? Like, Berlanti had his hands on some shows that are really good, too. So, we'll have to see where these net out, you know? Sure. Um, I'm interested in that one based on the premise, though, as well. I think that sounds really cool. And I I dig superhero anthology stuff. So, uh, fingers crossed on that one. Yeah, it could be good, right? Yeah, it could be. As always, that is the... uh... The fallback. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you just don't know how to move on from a segment, so it could be good. The uh, The final show that was announced is a show uh, with Elizabeth Banks attached called DC Superhero High, which is going to be a show based on teenagers who will be superheroes one day. I would imagine it'll be based on a lot of the you know popular heroes just as teens going to school and uh we don't know much about it this is going to be live action as well which is a little odd this sounds like the kind of thing that belongs animated Mm. but okay 
What uh? I mean, I guess, I guess if again, if you're trying to appeal to that CW crowd, though, yeah, like that, you know, you could get you could really tap into something in the same way that they did with like Riverdale. Yeah, yeah. I just wish that the offerings here were more diverse, diverse and yeah. less CW focused because there's definitely a segment of the audience that does not prefer those types of shows. Yeah. And I feel that DC shows in general have had the same vibe since Smallville. Smallville is Smallville is that generation's, you know, flash. Berlantiverse. Like, yeah, it's the same kind of thing. <laughs> yep. It's just, you know, for that time. Yeah. Uh it has an audience though, very clearly. Sure. Yeah. Um this this high school show sounds like something that would be up Pete and Kale's alley. Yeah, potentially. Um, so you said Elizabeth Banks is attached. Is she in it, or is she like producing it, or something? No clue. They they they've okay. not really given us much to work with. Hmm. Okay. Uh, she's good. I like her. I like her a lot. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I I could be interested in that. We'll see how it is. I am not interested in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Marco I didn't single you out, Bubba. <laughs> Marco doesn't want to do the uh, wherever that takes place review. That's upsetting. So, of these three shows, uh, actually, you know what? Before we do that thing, uh, I'm going to talk about one more show that was announced. But this one is actually not for HBO Max. This is for the CW. And I'll include it here just because all of these shows are CW-esque. So, the CW is actually going to be putting together a a Superman show titled uh, Superman and Lois. And it's oh. going to star Tyler Hoechlin and Elizabeth Tulloch, both who play uh, Superman and Lois Lane, respectively, in the Arrowverse. So we haven't gotten a Superman show in a really long time. I mean, if Smallville, right, but it's it's more of a Clark Kent show. Uh, and that also ended how long ago? That yeah, two thousand eight. Wow, yeah, if, it's it's been at least ten years. If you're talking about like core, like Superman though, suited up, that's since Lois and Clark. Mm-hmm. Even longer. This feels like a spiritual successor to that. Yeah, Definitely. yeah. Um, I never really cared for Lois and Clark, but I mean that too had a really substantial audience for whatever reason. Like Lois and Clark, uh, really lend themselves to like. Uh, evening, you know, network television, romantic drama type stuff. Um, sure. And, no, that's cool. I got no, I have zero beefs with that. It's not my thing. It's not how I would want to watch Superman, but you know what? Superman is for everyone, so I'm all right with that. I don't know, man. You don't want to hear, uh, you don't want to see them pursue their journalistic and superheroic careers and, quote, deal with all the stress, pressures, and complexities that come with being working parents in today's society, Phil? Not really. <laughs> Okay. I deal with that on my own. <laughs> I don't need to watch it in television. I don't like the way that Tyler Hoechlin looks in the costume. Uh, it, you know, no disrespect to him at all. I haven't seen his performances. From They're probably great. But it looks uh, Halloween-y. You know, it looks like, mm. you know... Uh, a Halloween costume that you got from the store. He looks and like a TV Superman. 
exactly yes. And that is a that is a huge problem I feel that the CW shows have. If they looked better, I'd jump on board, but I just feel like he looks cheap, so I can't do this. It's just off that alone I will not watch it. Uh, you hear that, Tyler? Change your face. Sean doesn't like it. I didn't say face. Just the, the costume more than anything. What Marco <laughs> said definitely is correct. But if the costume was better, I might be on board. I mean, I don't have an issue with, like, uh, Melissa uh, Benoit's Supergirl costume. Like, she looks all right. It's, it's it's all right. Um, That's not why I don't watch those shows. I watch them because I don't think they're very good. <laughs> Yeah, I I just uh, I tried watching Arrow when it was like new and everyone was talking about it, and I I think I watched like a season and a half with my roommate in college before we were just like, "Are you enjoying this?" No, okay, and ever since then, like, I just haven't given any of these a shot. So I don't know. They could be good, but I just I'm not interested in them, and I'm at a point where like I'm inundated with media, let alone superhero media, that which is like I don't need to go get into like nine of these shows, you know. Yeah, I'd rather just watch Daredevil again, honestly. Well, yeah, because that that's a good, good point too. There's so many shows now, and I've only watched you know Daredevil all the way through like once each. So it's like I'd, I'd, if I'm gonna go invest a bunch of hours in watching more superhero shit, like eh, this is more than enough. <laughs> Marco, God damn it, Pete! I respect it. Marco's gonna watch this, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, sure. that's Marco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm Marco, be the tell first us how one. excited you are. I'm so excited. I'm going to be the first one to tune in the next day because I don't have cable. <laughs> yeah, see? That's how excited he is, everyone. And Tune in for Marco's um, Superman and Lois uh, review show. Yeah, I'll lift off the curtain a little bit here, but Marco's planning on doing a uh, serial and Superman show review. That's mm-hmm. gonna be great. Yeah. Can't wait for it. Yep, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be ready for you guys live stream Instagram live. So just be ready. <laughs> Real talk. That sounds like a great idea for a show: serial and Superman. You just eat some cereal, and watch Superman. That sounds great. I'll do that. So of these four shows. We're talking about Superman, we're talking about Strange Adventures, we're talking about DC Hero High and Green Lantern. Which are you most excited for and which are you least excited for? Most excited for Strange Adventures. Um, least, for, I, honestly, any of the other ones. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, I will, I, you know, um, I, guess, I guess, nah, yeah, I really don't, whatever. Like any if any of them are good, I'll give them a shot. But otherwise, they're not on my radar at all. All right. Uh, for me, it's definitely Stranger Things. Uh, I can't wait to see how that ends. Uh, <laughs> we have one more season left. Otherwise, uh, I don't care about the rest. Okay. This is a great game, guys. You guys are doing phenomenal. Oh, uh, Marco? thank you. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead and toss all three in the. Uh, not necessarily looking forward to it. There are four shows. Yeah, there are four. (laughs) Are there? Yeah. He just listed them. Nah, there's definitely three, and they're all going at the bottom. The high school, the strange, stranger things. Oh, the stranger things. You know what? The stranger things. I'm looking forward to the most. (laughs) There you go. All right. 
Uh, I am looking forward to Green Lantern the most. I am really excited to be disappointed. And <laughs> that is your existence. It is. Well, no, dude, it's going to be on HBO. I feel like it's going to be good. All right, bro. Listen, you're not I'll even be watching there. any of them. I'm not. I mean, it's Green Lantern. <laughs> Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing. Give me. Bring back Swamp Thing. There's been a rumor that they might bring back Swamp Thing on HBO Max. It's a lie. It's, it's a, a lie rumor that, that means they're putting it's not out there yet. for you. They're no. doing this for you. They are. Yes. It's a lie for you. No, it's to a disappoint rumor for you. me to be come true. Disappointed. Real talk though, Marco. Like you, you're the one who doomed Swamp Thing. You're the number one Swamp Thing fan on the internet. You didn't even review it here. I watched it. I, yeah, and that's... Sean had to remind you to talk about it. <laughs> God. They See? dude, they probably listen. They're like. The show doesn't speak to Marco. I'm not allowed. To, I'm not allowed to talk about him on the show, guys. Oh yeah. <laughs> the, those those opportunities I gave you were non-existent. Dude, I'll never forget the first time when Sean's like, "Yo, so it's one thing," and you're like, oh, "I didn't watch it yet." And he's just like, "What? Fake ass like, fan? What the fuck, man?" <laughs> uh, oh yeah, and at, at the bottom of my list is definitely Superman and Lois. Just want to get that okay. out there. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, just in case you were wondering, Ant-Man 3 is a go. Cool. <laughs> yeah, tight. All right. Rad. Yeah. Great. Sweet. Yeah. This is, I'm ready this is, to uh... see. So is this the is this going to be the sequel where we see uh, Ant-Man climb with Thanos' butt? Yes. Marco. That's what I'm waiting for. My man knows That's good disgusting. shit. <sighs> Look. Ant-Man's cool, all right? I like okay. the Wasp. I like all that. All right. Think I might have seen just about enough, maybe. Yeah. Are you sure? Oh. But he didn't even fight the bee yet. <laughs> Who the hell? <laughs> <laughs> the bee. Jesus. Yo, these, these are like maybe the only Marvel movies I really like. These are like the Guardians movies. You know, man, that's not true. Yeah, Phil <laughs> no, no. is like Phil. Phil, you're such a fucking hipster, man. You're like, I don't even like the Marvel movies. Go listen to like every one of our reviews that's not about Spider Man, and you're like, oh, I liked it. I really except like for, it, oh, and th- except for Thor Ragnarok too. Yeah, so at three, three of what twenty? I would say I would say half of those are okay to good, and I, I would say right about so good means that you like it, right? Yeah, but like it's just it's like it's good. Never had any interest in rewatching it or anything. Ant Man movies, on the other hand, uh, I can rewatch those. And you've seen I, them so many times, I'm sure. I well, I saw both of them twice, which is more than any other Marvel movie. <laughs> okay, like I don't want to belabor this. I'm just going to state a fact, and then you're not going to respond. So the fact is that you enjoyed Infinity War. That's true, and. Uh, Endgame very much. So cut the crap and move on. Now, um, go ahead. Uh, well, no, it's just, <laughs> I, I, I'm into a, a third Ant Man. I don't know what they're gonna do, but I've 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 heard that they're gonna do like Young Avengers stuff or something in it. <sighs> My thing is that could be true. You know, it's it's entirely possible. Um, this movie will, will most likely be in Phase Five. Because of, you know, Phase 4 is already set in stone. And I the, if the second one... So the first one created a villain, right? The second one 
had to take a villain from Iron Man. So Ant-Man doesn't really have any villains that are his, especially because this is a, a different version of, of Ant-Man uh, than we, you know, have in the comics. So it, there's none of, none of the villains do you really have a connection to. And a lot of the best Marvel movies are ones where the villain is, is, is really interesting. And they haven't been able to get there with Ant-Man. The second movie, um, Ghost was all right, but I wouldn't say she was that interesting. Uh, so I don't know. I don't, I don't really feel connected to this franchise in a way that requires that, that makes me want more. That's kind of where I'm at too. Um, I I really enjoyed the first Ant-Man. I think it was like a needed, uh, palate cleanser at the time, you know, after Avengers two and like a lot of other like movies that felt very big, um, Ant-Man, showed how to tell like a smaller story again i feel like in the mcu and i I really appreciate it for that and it was a heist and it was comedic and it had all these things that were different and i looked at i I, ant-man and the wasp was fine but it felt like just another mcu movie you know and I think to your point, Sean, if we're going to just get another movie in the house style, that's not necessarily like shaking things up. Um, I don't know if Ant-Man's the character to carry that. Cause like, what are you going to do? You know, I feel like you've closed a lot of those loops for that character and like the plots that they have set up. That being said, I really like Paul Rudd and I, I feel like it's possible for them to make another movie that, is worth doing. I just don't know what that looks like. And at the onset, I'm not, it's not news. That's super exciting to me. Guys are overthinking it. These are movies with a very charismatic and wonderful Paul Rudd. And I don't care about the plot. They just do fun stuff with him being really big and thick or really small. (laughs) And that's all I care about. He's going to fight the bee. And he'll fight the pollinator. You know what? (laughs) The inside, Like, if his villain was the bee, it wouldn't be that surprising. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, if that were a real thing, if if he really had a villain called the bee and that really was in the movie, right? Like it'd be, I'd be mad that you were right, but then I'd be like, yeah, that would happen. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Is there is there a, a, a superhero called the bee? I just imagine, I imagine the bee, the gopher, and like... The gopher? Oh, my God. There's, Why not? There's a team, on the ground, there's... an underground eating, like, bug thing? It makes sense. <laughs> And eater, Get come on. Off this. Oh, Ant an eater. eater. <laughs> <laughs> See, oh that would be God. good. <laughs> Where's that? Give me that. There, there's it's a, in the there's dumpster. A... <laughs> Just like me. Uh, so there's, Har- there's a... Harvey Comics has a character called Bee Man who was known as the Bee. Nice. <laughs> in his books. Well, there's 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 the Teen Titans character Bumblebee. It's a transformer, wow. Phil. That is also a transformer. I want to transform Cena. this podcast into a good one. How about that? <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. What's next? Uh, so, if if Ant Man three is really happening, which I suspect it is, then Phase five is looking pretty defined at this point. And I want to know what you guys think about this. If this is to be what Phase five is. So, we already know Blade is coming, right? Uh, We know Black Panther 2 is coming. 
That's a fact. Ant-Man 3, based off this, is coming. Captain Marvel 2 is absolutely coming. Guardians 3 is confirmed for sure. And then uh, the last movie would presumably be X-Men something or Fantastic Four. One or the other. All right. I guess it could maybe be that that team-up movie that they mentioned that they have the Spider-Man contract for as well. Could or would be. Or it could be Spider-Man 3 in that, that, that block as well. And the team-up movie comes in 6. So that's possible. Uh... That I guess yeah that that is possible because uh, twenty twenty two is defined, and then twenty twenty three has three movies and they're trying to do three to four movies per year. So that would be four movies each year if that was to be the case. But the next Spider Man cannot come earlier than twenty twenty three. Okay, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's probably likely then, right? No, I think that some, you think it's gonna be longer than that. Uh, no, well, yeah, because I think some kind of Fox movie has to release by twenty twenty three. If Phase Five doesn't have one of them, one of them, then that's crazy. I feel like it would be so crazy to have four, like four, what five years between Spider Man two and three, though. Uh, yeah. That seems like a long time. It is. It is. Yeah, great. Oh my God. I mean, but that that would be that would be five years between Captain Marvel movies. Yeah, and that seems... and, f- and five years between Black Panthers. Yeah, you're it's right. Not a I don't know. I guess for those two characters, I feel like that makes more sense. Uh, why? Because of, I just because, like, with Black Panther, I feel like you could do a lot in terms of, and this is true for Captain Marvel too, right? Where it's been five years, and you explore how where we know them, like where we left them most recently. Like, how that's changed. Like, how has Wakanda changed over the course of the last few years while, you know, the world is aware of of what they really are and they're doing all these outreach programs. And, like, you could really show a lot of growth by having that time jump. And I guess not to say that that couldn't happen for Spider-Man, but, like, given the fact that the end of that movie sets up a new, a very different status quo from how we've seen him in the MCU traditionally... I feel like you'd want to address that sooner because if it's a five-year gap, that means, like, you don't see him graduate high school and, like, he's already, like, you know, presumably out an adult in college or whatever, you know, or so, like. They don't have to. They can make the movie happen right after the last one if they feel like it. I mean, I guess that's true, but, I mean, he's going to, like, Tom Holland's going to look a lot older. He can't play a high school kid five years from now. Uh, Yes, he can. You think? Of course. I told me why I played a high school kid was thirty. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I mean, come on. I don't know. I don't. I feel like we don't do that anymore, though. I don't know. You're you're not wrong. I I just that I have a harder time believing that they'll leave that amount of gap between 
two and three of Spider-Man versus those other properties that we called out because those characters are also already like fully grown adults. So like, the fuck difference does it make? Well, if it's a year here or there, it doesn't matter because if it's gonna come out in twenty twenty three, that's still four years. So one year different, one year is not gonna make all the difference. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Spider-Man three should just be Michael Keaton and Jake Gyllenhaal. That'd be pretty dope. No. <laughs> uh, so so let's let's say for argument's sake that that is the slate. Are you guys happy with that as Phase Five? Yeah, that's solid. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I'm, I'm really stoked about uh, Blade. Like I think that's going to be really cool. I, I, I think compared to Phase Four, um, I would be more interested in those movies than the stuff that's been announced for Phase Four. Like, right? Yeah, I, I think there's more interest there than than that stuff. That's so interesting. So, Phase Five. If if this is correct, is almost well, it's a lot of sequels, right? Mm-hmm. And that's gonna happen because that's where we're at now. Yeah. Um, whereas Phase Four feels like they're trying newer stuff, different different ideas. Black Widow's not you know new or different, but it is a, a solo movie for a character who's never had one. So you know we'll say that. Um, <laughs> as Marco just. <laughs> Oh my god. As Marco gets his drink on. Uh but I don't know. Phase five feels more comfortable for me. And these are the stories that I was most interested in following after Endgame. Yeah, I, I think that's why though, right? Is that like it's not to say that because we've talked about this a couple times, how like phase four seems soft, I guess. But I think we might feel a lot differently about that once those movies actually exist. Um, But I think right now where you had Endgame, which was had this real air of finality, you know, like it was the end of this first chapter that we've been following for like literally a decade. And even though it, it really did kind of close things out for a lot of our, you know, major characters there there are a lot of threads that are unanswered. Like, what what is Wakanda going to be like moving forward? What has Captain Marvel been up to across the galaxy? Like, those are questions that we want to know more about. And the idea of, like, what's going on with the Guardians and, like, Gamora and, you know, all those things. Like, those are threads that are left for us for characters that we've been following and invested in in some cases for, in the case of the Guardians, what, six, seven years? And across five movies, you know, like, of course, we're more interested in what's happening with them than the Eternals, who we don't even know, you know. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, that that is why I think that's happening. I don't think it's that the slate of of phase four is bad or that it's even going to like underperform or anything like that. I think it's just like when you're invested in certain characters or excited about answers to certain questions, of course that's going to get a bigger pop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a cooldown like portion and this is like the ramp back up it feels like. Yeah. And and again, I think to to Sean's point, phase 4 is I think going to be introducing a lot of the new players now that a bunch of older players have been taken off the board or are seemingly going to be less relevant in the films. 
right? Because I wouldn't be surprised if some of the characters who are now moving over to Disney Plus series might become less, you know, prominent in the non-event team-up movies. So, like, maybe that's why, you know? Like, we need a generation of these films to show off some new characters, take us to some new places, lay new threads in the same way that Phase 1 did way back in the day. You know, so a couple things. Uh, one, the Spider-Man Far From Home sequel is actually coming out in 2021, and it is part of Phase Four, not Five. Okay, so, there, there we go. go. That um, makes sense. And then the other thing is that Phase Four has three new, uh, counting Black Widow, three movies that are not sequels, mm-hmm. uh, and three that are. Whereas phase uh, phase five presumably would have two movies that are not sequels and one, two, three, four, that four that are sequels. So, you know, and then and then when you look at the characters, right, Blade is someone who people are gen- generally very interested in um, yeah. the X-Men or the Fantastic Four. I don't even need to speak on that. Whereas Black Widow, like, we've been there, done that. The Eternals, most people don't have a familiarity. Even people like us that are hardcore comics readers, not we're not really that into them. Uh, and then Shang-Chi, like, that's fine, but, you know, okay. You know, like, if it's great, then I'll be a Shang-Chi fan for life, but I need to see the proof. So, right. um, I don't know. I'm I'm definitely more interested in Phase Five. I think that's generally agreed upon. It's gonna be interesting though what Phase Four sets up going forward. Yeah, it's funny. I think as Phase Four is happening, um, I think that I think that feeling among us might change, you know, because we'll be excited for things that are new rather than stuff that's familiar and by the time we get to phase five we'll probably be more interested in those movies because there'll be more space between them you know like black panther will have been you know it'll have been what a four or five year gap like i'm all about that then you know it's not a thing that's been shoved down our throat it's like oh fuck yeah i really want to see what's up with black panther so i think this this strategy might end up really paying dividends for them uh as long as the movies in phase four are good which you know they probably will be I think, to Phil's point, the worst among them will probably be okay. All right. So something that's probably more of a sure thing is the sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Hell yeah, bro. You fucking kidding me? That's money in the bank. Let's go. (laughs) So Into the Spider-Verse released last year. And it was universally praised, uh, and it, it definitely captured the hearts and minds of young fans and, you know, fans of all ages, quite frankly, of Spider-Man. Uh, and it used several different versions of the character in the same film, which I think also was something that people really enjoyed. Uh, the movie won, what, an, an Oscar it did for yeah. uh, best animated uh, feature. Yeah, yeah, and it it actually was able to beat out <laughs> Disney, so that's pretty cool mm-hmm. for them. So mm-hmm. uh, Sony, of course, seeing straight up dollar signs, has announced a sequel with a really cool uh, uh, little graphic. Uh, Boss Logic put out a poster, a really cool poster. 
uh, and we got a release date of April 8th, 2022. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that will be four years after Into the Spider-Verse officially released. Of course, these kinds of movies take a long time to make, I'm sure, because of the animation and all that. And it's not just regular animation. That Mm -hmm. movie had, like, crazy stuff going on. So it makes sense. But on its face, I'm sure you guys are over the moon, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I I am simultaneously really pumped and really bummed by that release date. Yeah. Because I'm super stoked that they're not going to rush it or cut corners and that we're seemingly going to get something that's of the same top to bottom like quality and attention to detail because that's what made that movie good. So I'm glad that the studio understands that and isn't trying to rush out a sequel to capitalize on it because they know it's good enough that people will come back. So that's great. Um, that being said, oh man, it sucks we got to wait that long because I really love that movie. I'd love to get to watch another one. Yeah, that's definitely something that I'm I'm excited for. It was it was an awesome awesome movie, uh, and if they're coming back for that just for the visuals alone, like got me hooked. Yeah, that style is fucking. It's it's super fresh. It's like I think. Despite the fact that it's a well-written Spider-Man movie, I think that film uh, above that is an achievement in animation. Yes. And, like, that's fucking great, you know? Like, that's what you want uh, a superhero movie to to be, is to be, like, pushing the envelope, not just checking a box. It, it was one of the best movies of the decade. Um, it was really, really special, and it was really unique. Uh, I don't know how a sequel will be, but... Uh, the first one has earned enough uh, credibility with me to really kind of trust trust the process, as it were. So uh, yeah. this this leaves me far more interested than any of the MCU movies. I definitely would agree with that. And I, I like the MCU more than you do. <laughs> so I think that Sony is in a really interesting position with Into the Spider-Verse because it's 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 bankable right and there are so many characters that you could spin off from it and you know do cool things with but the problem is that you know based on this release date it seems like it's going to take them a while to make these movies so sony is going to have to find a way to to reduce the length of these gaps whether it's to have multiple movies in production at once, which may not be possible because of the nature of animation and needing specific people to be able to work on the film. Uh, they're good, but they're going to have to find some way to not have there be a four-year stretch between these movies. They need to make that money. Yeah, it's, I think it's particularly tough because I know there was talk about like a few ideas for sequels and everything, um, maybe not just like a Spider-Verse 2, and I think realistically, like, those movies probably don't work without Miller and Lord at the helm. Um, so I don't know how possible that is, you know? Unless there are people who are involved in the process that they feel are capable of, you know, leading a, a, another similar project. But I, that's, like, that's a gamble, too, because they are so good. Or it was so good. And if you just start pumping out junk with the... the name on it like that's not gonna it's not gonna fly right yeah yeah we're not gonna show up for that the way we showed up for this Mm -hmm. and the way we are excited for the sequel so i think like they need to you're right that 
for business, they need to find a way to make it quicker. But you know, the quality's got to be paramount. Yeah, that's what made that movie uh, happen. Was that it was very good. You know, not just good. Yep, I'm I'm right right there with you, PD. Like we, it it needs the time to to properly grow and develop. Cause like you look at that movie, like every scene, like there's there's love put into that that animation. Yep. You know, like there's there's Easter eggs in the background. There's like even like the most minor events, like there's thought put into how they're executed and and how it's supposed to feel. And like you've got to fucking nail that shit. Well, you know, like Lord and Miller didn't direct the movie, so they can definitely they, what? Yeah, they they just wrote it, right? They yeah, they wrote it and produced it. But it, if the movies take that long to make, then it 100% takes longer to animate these things than it does to write them, right? That's definitely so true. there's no reason why they can't be involved in the process um, the whole time. Yeah, I mean, that's true. And I guess it depends on what other like things they have going on, but... I know they have other projects in development, but that's a good point. I mean, they could write this and serve as producers and then move on and get started on the next one, you know? Even if they want to Feige this thing, you know, I, I don't yeah. I don't feel like that's not doable. They just need – to me, Sony needs to go where the money is. And so far, the money and interest are in Spider-Verse property and they're in <laughs> Venom. oh geez all right so let's let's jump into the comic book world a little bit here uh two giant size announcements coming from the x-men world nice thank you so much the triple x world wow no no marco wrong podcast whoops down boy god uh, ah! Chill. Uh, so we learned that Jonathan Hickman will be resurrecting giant-sized X-Men. Cool. But it's going to be a... <laughs> cool. I agree. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not sure why we're laughing. No, just because Phil's just like, cool. Oh. <laughs> cool, man. That's cool. Uh, so he's, he's going to be uh, bringing giant size X-Men. It's going to be a series. And each of the issues will actually be uh, different characters and a different artist. So it'll be Hickman and artist. The that first issue so will be Jean Grey and Emma Frost. Oh, Down, boy. Down, boy. <laughs> Sean, when you saw this image, what, what feelings did it elicit from you? Uh, negative ones, actually, because oh. I don't like Jean's costume. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. So. <laughs> fair enough. Joined yeah. by, or joined with uh, Jonathan Hickman will be Russell Dodderman, who is coming hot off of Thor. And is finally free to do other things, which is really exciting. Um, what we know about what the story will be so far is that uh, it's going to be a team-up mission where they got to rescue Storm. 
and it's going to explore the relationship between Jean and Emma, which appears to be, if not, if not different, uh, definitely interesting. We don't know enough to really say, um, and so I'm intrigued by this for sure. Did you see the the quote from Dodderman where he said that Jean Grey was his favorite character? Yeah, yeah, it is. That's tight. Yeah, I mean, this is cool. I I I'm all on the X Men train right now. So the idea of like Hickman doing another anthology style X Men book, like, yep, gets a check from me. I'm all in on that shit. Um, Sean, what is your favorite Jean Grey costume? What? What is your favorite Jean Grey? Boy, I can't talk. What is your favorite Jean Grey costume? Oh, um, my favorite, my favorite Jean Grey costume is the Phoenix costume. What? Okay. Oh. I mean, it is. That's a really cool costume. Like, <laughs> Marco ain't vibing with it though. Sorry. You, mean, you would pick Listen, that. Mar- you would pick that over the Black Queen outfit. Yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> What the hell? Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? The one where she's all like domi- da- dominatrix shit and all that? Yeah. Oh, Listen, right. Marco, you don't need... This is not a porn podcast. You hey, I'm just it saying. It, in your pants. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> Go ahead. Marco's out here. He is... <laughs> not here for the black queen, yo. He's I, out on a limb. I don't want to be dominated by Gene. Uh, I'm just, you know, I'm a fan. Uh, but no, yeah, I I prefer the the Phoenix costume, and second up is the '90s costume. Black Queen. The, oh. uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say the Marvel Girl costume is growing on me. A lot of people have been hating her in that. I costume, like it. But yeah, women can't wear skirts anymore in comics. We know that. Um, <laughs> just be honest. That's a big reason why everybody's so tight. Uh, so yeah, that's coming, and then we are also going to be getting X Men Fantastic Four swag. Yeah, so this one is going to be giving us some more information as far as where things are going to go with Franklin Richards. Oh, okay. Which is something that was teased way back in House Number One. Uh, so Chip Zdarsky is going to be tackling this one uh, from the writer's end. And Terry and Rachel Dodson will be jumping on as artists, which is really cool. I'm a fan of, of, of their work for sure. And so uh, Franklin Richards is is a mutant, but he's a character who doesn't have a ton of history with mutants. Like, not as far as I know anyways. I've never seen him really interact with mutants much. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Zadarsky too. So yeah, this is like, I, I was interested in that thread when it was posed in house one. Um, but yeah, to see that it's going to get followed up on by a writer who's really been, you know, like working for me lately, uh, is another, yeah, hell yeah. Like, I'm all in for more X-Men. Let's do it. Yeah, with Chip on the book, that's uh, it's definitely a draw. Uh, I, I think... Uh, I, I'll probably pick this one up. It it, it sounds like it's going to be cool. I don't know enough about the, the Fantastic Four, but it's something definitely that I want to learn about. And if they're going to be 
touching uh touching on stuff with the x-men i mean that's cool yeah i mean i don't know man you should check out hickman's fantastic four run i think you might get something out of it i know uh i've read some of the some of the ff stuff i just have to like read the totality of it yeah i think i think you'd like it mark are you sure this is a book you're interested in gene isn't wearing the black queen outfit i mean that's fine it's not preferable but yeah yet (laughs) we don't know this is just a preview image, Phil. Yeah. That's that's a good point, Pete. Uh, if anything, Marco, you should read every X-Men book just to make sure. Just to make sure. <sighs> so stop it. When, it, when it happens, I'll call out and be like, Sean, you sure? <laughs> <laughs> you see this? Did you see this? Listen, man. You, you see can't... how much underboob there is? <laughs> you oh can't God. understand what my love for Jean Grey is like. You don't even know. <laughs> it's not Boy, just... This... Yeah, come on. <laughs> Um, Sean, would you say Gene is your waifu? No. <laughs> he, wouldn't, he wouldn't say it, but that doesn't mean it's not true. <laughs> um, I would say of all these Phase 2 uh, Hox Pox titles, this is the one I'm most intrigued by. And I think it has to do with the fact that uh, Chip Zdarsky is on it. Uh, he's been exceptional this year. Really? More than Moira? Uh, who's on Moira? I forget. We don't know. That's, uh, that's why. Cool yeah, threw out a. Uh, they threw out a theory that it's Mike Carey. That that Mike Carey. No, no. They threw out a theory that Mike Carey was the writer that Jonathan Hickman originally wanted, and right. that he passed. But that doesn't line up because Jonathan said that they had a writer in mind who they were waiting on, and that the person accepted. So I'm not sure about that, but. So yeah, until that book has a creative team, I can't say that would be the book yet. Okay. On premise, I'm interested, but this one we actually know like who's on it and what like the direction's going to be and all that stuff. So yeah, I I uh, man, Marvel owes Hickman a huge debt of gratitude from my perspective right now because the fact that like how, like how many X Men books are out right now or like that like we're reviewing all these number ones. How many more are there? Uh well there are three more. Okay. So there are, there are seven and then they've announced four more or five more now and I w- I want to read all of them. That's insane. Yeah. So now, I'm still excited for X-Men news at this fucking point. I read that originally that Marvel's been blown away by the sales of on these books cuz uh, Marauders did incredibly well. Marauders was the best-selling book last week uh, by a by a, by a large margin, and originally these were all all only supposed to run twelve issues, and uh, <laughs> they would make space for the next wave, which would actually be like a mini wave. Now, because of how the sales are going, it's going to be really interesting to see if Marvel is willing to give up their money in order to pull this off, because it was going to be. 12 issues, event, less than 12 issues, event. Mm. So we'll see if they shift plans now. How much you want? Yeah, I bet some of these books hold on. I got it. You got to figure. But at the same time, when I saw certain names like Brian Hill, who I love, Brian Hill hasn't been given a real shot at Marvel. He's only been given one shots or or miniseries. So when I saw his name, that tipped me off that it was not going to last. 
Yeah, but I mean, like you said, man, like they got to go where the money is. Money talks. Like if his book is selling more than every other thing they're publishing right now or it's in that upper echelon, like even even if this book ends, you got to think that they're going to give him something else then, you know? And I, I, I – and this is like speculation, but like I wonder if on some level that like Hickman – like, had something to do with that. Like, if he likes him and he was like, well, you know, he's the one. It seems like he's getting to pick who goes on what books and everything like that. And it's like, at the end of the day, like, if you have who is now unquestionably Marvel's top fucking guy when it comes to writing right now, like, giving him the bump and then his book sells well, like, that'll get him those opportunities that he's been shut out from, I think. Yeah, sure. Because, like, that's how it works. Like, money fucking talks. Like... If the dude's books are a top seller, like, he's a top seller. Well, aside from Hill, I don't want these books to continue if there's not a clear vision. If if yeah. the plan was 12 event, I would rather that they stick to that. Because that tells me that there's a reason why those books cannot persist beyond 12, story-wise. To me, that's also just preferable. Because I think that, like, no matter what, like, I don't want these books to turn into any other book, right? Where, like, they need to change hands a bunch to keep going or they need to do this or that. And, like, you said there's not a clear vision for them. I'd rather it just be, like, this was this this part of the X story and now it's going to move forward. And even if they have some of the same creative teams carry over to new books, that's great. Um, but we'll see what happens. I'd bet you a couple of these go beyond 12 issues, though. Yeah, and I think it's easy to see which ones would do that. X-Men and uh, Marauders. Marauders fucking kicked ass. And it was the first issue. So, yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if that book ends up having a life beyond its original vision. Yeah. But that could be cool. If if they if they can find a way to make it work and not water these books down, I really don't care what they do. I'm not I'm beyond the point of judgment for what's happening with the X Men. I've I've given I'm giving my my hands up and I'm saying Jonathan Hickman and Co. Take me wherever you want to go. Yeah, dude, that's that's exactly how I feel at this point. Like I I'm in. Like I bought my ticket. Take me on the ride. Well. Uh, speaking of a ride, Excalibur was one, and we're going to be reviewing that right now. All right, so Excalibur number one is a book that I think a lot of people were excited about. Maybe not as excited as uh, we were for Marauders, but Teeny Howard is definitely on the rise. This is the book that is going to star Apocalypse and Gambit and Rogue, some fan favorite characters, uh, and of course Betsy Braddock. Um, Fucking Jubilee, come on. Jubilee, yeah. A lot of lot of fan favorite characters. Uh and that cover, I mean, please. Oh my um, god. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. So uh this is Teeny Howard writing it, uh Marcus Toe on art, Eric Arsenega uh, on colors, uh Corey Pettit on letters, and uh yeah, that's the team. So this book was one that I was cautiously optimistic for. I'm not the biggest fan of X Magic. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I uh, know. I was just gonna say it, it. I know that 
X-Men are so flexible that you can have them in different sort of genres, right? But this was one genre where, for me, X-Men never really fit well, personally. Um, So I... We'll get into it. I I wasn't as hot as the book as I would have thought. Okay, cool. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Um, I like any book that starts with Morgan Le Fay. So there's that. Um, But at the same time, if if you haven't read much of her, then whatever. But for me, she started every Brian Michael Bendis book because he had a... He was, uh, he was very into that character. So uh, I'm a little bit over her being like the, the first boss in any magic book. But yeah, lots of personal stuff going on, lots of drama. This was a book that you really got to sink your teeth into, and I'm very excited to talk about. So Marco, you were hot out the gate, so why don't you uh, tell us why you didn't like it as much? Um, Swords and Sorcery isn't necessarily like a genre I'm, I'm into. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the Morgan Le Fay stuff is, it's fine. Um, no, no, none of it calls me. Uh, but I think the team for me was the, was the best part because I do love all these characters. My only unfamiliarity was uh, Captain Britain um, and uh, Betsy. Like I, the, the, the Braddocks, I don't really have any familiarity with. Nor do I have any familiarity with um, Trinary. So, but outside of that, I think there were there were characters that within the story were were fun. I w- I'm glad that I was following them, and I liked sort of how there was a transition for people who, I guess, more like like me, are just kind of coming into these these books and might not know enough about the magical side of 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 Marvel with respect to the X Men. Uh, I think it still did a good job of at least telling the story, and and Teeny's writing was on point. Like, I, I, while I didn't necessarily enjoy the overall issue uh, the way I would have thought I did, I think it still had me at least engaged in the story, which was advent, which was was uh, assigned to Teeny's um, writing chops. Mm-hmm. Sure. Anyone else? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there. I, I think I, it sounds like I like the issue a little bit more than Marco. <clears throat> um, I, I definitely am not against swords and sorcery, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And, um, it, it's never something that I was like super, super into, but like, I, I did read a bit of the original Excalibur and some of the X magic stuff. So like, I do have, uh, probably a bit more of a connection to it than you do. Um, but for me, it, it, the, the selling point of this book is the team. You know, like really, whatever journey like Teeny's gonna have them go on is kind of cool with me because like, um, I the the X Men that are on this team are three of my favorites who I haven't really gotten a read in a long time, Rogue Gambit and Jubilee, and I'm super super fascinated by Apocalypse's like status now. You know, like his seeming face turn, um. Is, is something that I, th- I think is really compelling and I'm, I'm excited to follow that as closely as I can. So like the fact that this book focuses on those characters is already something that was going to get me in the gate. And I'm, you know, I, I like Psylocke. So Betsy Braddock kind of like being in this new 
position is something that I'm interested to see her transition as well and like how that lands for me. And it seems like this book is going to explore that as well. So um, there, there's a lot for me here. Like, I don't think I was as high on this first issue as I was for Marauders um, or, or maybe even X-Men. But I, I think that there's a lot going on here that I am super interested in. And that will be worth following uh, the book for me. Um, I, was, I, was, I was interested in the concept, I guess, because uh, growing up, the, uh, the 90s, late 80s, 90s Excalibur run with Claremont and Alan Davis uh, was one of my favorite ongoing books to read. Uh, but you know, that book wasn't especially magical or, or swordsy either. Uh, it was just like, oh, these are the X-Men in England. Uh, so that was fine. <laughs> um, this book, I think it was just fine. I don't, I don't think it really did anything terribly interesting. Um, yeah, it was, it was just fine. This was, this was definitely closer to what I would describe as like uh, a run of the mill book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's all right because not every one of these books is going to be able to deliver on a super high concept or, you know, something brash and bold. But there are certain elements of this book that I really, really liked. And it's stuff that we needed to see followed up on. So an obvious one is Apocalypse, right? Uh, he's wearing robes now. Like he's, you know, we've never really seen him like that before. We've never really seen him just talking, which is cool. Um, so I enjoyed that. He's got a name change. He's got a weird ass name now. <laughs> yeah. I like, he's like fucking Prince. He's like, uh, excuse me, I'm this symbol now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so I, I enjoy that. I also enjoy Apocalypse wanting people to uh, screw as much as possible. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's like that uh, you know that like old person in your family who's like you know you guys really got to have kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> which is like an interesting look on Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a uh, it's been almost a year. What's uh, what's going on, huh? <laughs> you guys, you guys have an unprotected sex. God, wow. apocalypse! Um, you're such a weird narc. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also really enjoyed seeing Gambit and Rogue together. I haven't seen them on the same page, the same comic book page in many, many years. Um, it's unfortunate, obviously, that they have this problem still of rogue, you know, not being able to touch him or be touched. Um, and I love them as the center of this whole, you know, make more mutants thing. Uh, they can't, you know, um, or I mean, there are ways it's not impossible, but they wouldn't be able to do it and enjoy it. And, Rogue doesn't want to take her powers away. She doesn't want to use her power dampener in order to have sex, traditional sex. And um, I love that because Rogue has always had this tension about her of, you know, wanting to, to live a full life, a, a, you know, a healthy sexual life. And because of these powers, she can't do that. And... That makes perfect sense, I think, in this new world. 
to involve her uh, in that way. Um, so I really like that as well. And then Betsy's new status quo, you know, she's was Psylocke. Everyone refers to her as that. She's not really trying to be that anymore. It's, it's just, it's just, there's a lot of interesting threads for whatever reason. And I think it's probably got to do with the villain choice and the, the overarching, you know, evil stuff. That stuff couldn't care about it less. Yeah, and I, I that's I think I'm exactly with you on that, Sean. And that's why I don't feel like I was as into this issue is because I felt like my attention was diverted to this like stuff that just feels like it could be in any comic, you know, rather than very specific to what we've been dealing with here in the X Men run, um, which has generally been you know more political conflict and you know, pro-mutant stuff, you know? So it having this, like, other world magic connection is kind of like, eh, I don't, you know, I don't really care about that right now. And I, not to say that I couldn't care about it, but in this first issue, I don't. What I care about is all those human interactions that you were just talking about, you know? Because those moments, I think, are great, you know? And I really like the interpersonal dialogue and all that stuff. So there's heat here. I just... I think we got to like wait to see how it develops and if we get into it. Some some of the dialogue is kind of weird in this book from Teeny Howard. Uh, And there's, it's a little expositional at points where it's like, I don't know if someone would really talk that way where it's like, uh, did you get tapas with Magneto or like, Oh, you've been dead. It's like, well, come on. We know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. Uh, there's there was another one that was really jarring. I, I'm not I'm not sure what the deal is with that. Let's see if we can find it. See, I, those are things where I I don't necessarily agree with that. Like those two examples that you threw out there, just because I think like those aren't things that normal people would say. But normal people don't die and come back from the dead. You know, like yeah, but I don't know. There's, there's such a way, but of they do writing. here. Yeah. Sure. Where, where it's like, you want to explain what's happening in a third-person kind of way when you're talking to someone. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I gotta agree. Also, uh, Gold Balls, name change, now he's Egg. <laughs> yeah, right? That was cool. I like that, I, I like that better, honestly. That's a cool name. Yo, Egg. Sup? Sup? <laughs> My name's Egg. I think it's I think it's way better than Gold Balls for sure. It's definitely better than Gold Balls, but that's like if that's the status by which you're judging it, it's still not very good. Yeah, so Apocalypse is up to something, yeah. I've been saying that for like six weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's just like I, I okay. I think the clear answer to that is yes. The question is, is that up to something? Is that something that we would perceive as nefarious in the new status quo is the question. I, I don't think so because he's gone so deep as to change his name and is actually trying to promote like culture. He, he's trying to like actually influence the way people are people's actions. So I, I don't think it's anything nefarious. I think he's up to something that he's not telling other people that will still benefit Krakoa. I don't, I, don't, I don't think he's trying to split off into anything, do his own shit. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Okay. Yeah, I I think I think we're probably meant to think he's up to something uh bad, but um yeah, I, it's easy to believe he's up to something bad, right? right? But I hope I hope you guys are right and that 
he's doing some stuff, but it's not bad because that would just be so obvious, right? And I, I would love for them to do something different with Apocalypse. And I, I feel like it would be a betrayal of the things that he's saying, you know? And like, yeah, like when yeah. he when he makes that comment, there was a line in this that I really liked um, from him. And I want to try to find the exact one, but it here it is. He says, the, the festivities fascinate me. Are people celebrating our homecoming for the first time ever? For centuries, we ran as though we were hunted, and now we are dancing. And, like, that is profound. And to Marco's point, he says that immediately after he says, like, he's like, I'd prefer you called me this, you know, A. Right. Whatever. A. <laughs> and uh, to me, I, I really think that's meaningful. I think it is It is the the – transformation of him or the beginning of a transformation of him from you know uh a a warrior to like maybe a warrior poet right or like to like from just surviving to living you know to realizing that there's more to life than war and conquest because they've won what he wanted was a future for mutants and now they have one so now what and that is way more interesting than him just being evil you know and, and i i'd like to think that that's what they're doing here because it seems that's the message i'm getting from him in moments where he has no reason to lie so yeah. why uh, uh why is apocalypse i guess <clears throat> the lead in an otherwise more magic focused uh x book like do you guys is, is that something with his powers like or is it just kind of where they're putting him do you guys think I think that Apocalypse has always had a kind of closeness to mysticism because of the Clan Akaba stuff. So when Apocalypse is dead, uh, Clan Akaba can essentially resurrect him by t- by placing his soul essence goo uh, into another host. And... So there's that mysticism, mystical element. Also, he's extremely old, ancient Egyptian, you know. Blue. Blue, Blue. right? Um, (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's my takeaway. Like, it wasn't uh, too shocking to me because of that. But I could see why that would be a a, a question. And and it may very well be a valid question even with what I just said. That's just how I felt. Like, it, it made sense for that reason. Mm. Um, that That's kind of my read on it, too. I, I can't explain why he's in this magic book. I, I just think, Teeny... We went to the X-Men panel in New York, and she just said, I really like Apocalypse. I think it's just that simple why he's in the book. Um, As, as for his... You know, what, what, where, where, he's, where they're taking him... Uh, it his his motive has never been as simple as I just want a future for mutants. His motive has always been a lot darker than that. His whole thing has always been survival of the fittest, regardless of your mutants. And I have to imagine this Krakoa utopia will eventually not sit right with him because his whole thing is genetic weakness and his perception of it. Uh, he's gonna. I think he's got want to lead this in a darker direction. Uh that that i don't know man like the thing with apocalypse is that he's been written well and he's been written badly and i think survival of the fittest for mutants 
and and mutant superiority under apocalypse is a general idea of what he's always been about but if you i think it was explained really really well in house and powers that this you know the superior right that being mutants uh by their nature they're superior to humans taking their rightful place is exactly what he would want he's gonna he's gonna want to push it in a further direction but but if they're separated and they are in this paradise that is supposed to be one from like 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 right now with the exception of maybe what was it like five countries except that mutants are superior essentially right like like he has the he has that confirmation from the rest of the world and he didn't have to do it by killing everybody it's just, I think it's also pretty clear that Charles has bigger plans too. Yeah. So I I think that that's like the mutants' agenda overall is to eventually rule the planet. He's he, I mean he's gonna want to ensure that mutants take the next step in evolution or something. He's gonna want to further control Sinister's evolution of the characters, and you know maybe that might be in line with what Xavier and Magneto are doing. Uh. Yeah. I I don't know. I I I, I hope you're wrong. Phil, because I, I, I don't think that what you're saying is, like, ill-informed. Um, I think it's just, like, I, I, I'd I like to think that the character is moving in a new direction in that the X-Men overall are more extreme and he's a little softened, you know? And I think that that, that is more interesting because it presents more opportunity for the character to go in new directions. He's, he's a little softer, but he's also a little thicker. Nothing wrong with that. Couldn't resist, huh? Nope. <laughs> so, on the art side of things, I really, really appreciated the fact that this issue was able to give us some different looks and different colors than what we've seen. Uh, Krakoa at night, without the the you know the the bursting lights from Dazzler and Jubilee. Uh, really a beautiful place. And then, of course, some of the greens and, and blacks and reds that came from the, the Morgan Le Fay scenes. Um, just, just a lot of different looks, which I really appreciated. But the, but the color palette and the color scheme that was laid out by um, Marta Gracia with some of the oranges and purples and things like that is still also present. And the pinks. Yeah. And I, I just love how each book has managed to find its own space visually but also echo uh and reflect back on what uh was set up by gracia otherwise this looks this actually is very similar to um what pepe Larraz was doing in a lot of ways yeah yeah i thought the art really worked for me on this book um quite a bit and i think just some of the imagery, like you called out, uh, the cover was really cool. The first moment that we see Betsy, like not when she ports back and she's like in the the Captain uh, Britain outfit for the first time, Rogue in her like snow white tomb of flowers. Like there's a lot of just like really striking moments that are really well drawn, and the colors are exceptional across the board. So, um, yeah, I I think. I think I think this book is going to have a lot to offer once it gets going. I really do. I will say I wasn't terribly moved by the paneling. Uh, it was super 
standard. Basic. Um, yeah. And that's okay. Not every comic has to do crazy stuff, but that that definitely impacted my enjoyment. But whatever was lost there, I would say it was gained in the colors. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't feel super strongly about the art. I, I don't think it was bad. It, everything was was fine, but uh, it, it kind of just looked a little sterilized to me. Yes, I see what you mean. Yeah, uh-huh. It, it, it may be like some, something in the faces weren't as like defined. I, I think it, it, it definitely was was good. Nothing about it was uh, bad or, or wrong necessarily, but there was just something about it that maybe didn't have, I don't know. It, 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 there was just something there that was like felt missing to me. I found the other dialogue that, that uh, rubbed me the wrong way. It's when Brian walks Betsy into Krakoa and he's like, I'm glad you came home as my twin. You were my first roommate and I still think you're a fine one. It's like, man, who talks like that? Yeah, that, I'll give you that. that. That's an awkward line. It's like when I talk to Sean, I'm like, you know what, man? As my fellow pal, you'll have to know. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, that's exactly how you talk. That's true. I'm very, uh, I make sure people at home know what the deal is. I hope, don't, they're, he's British, dude. He's got, he talks, you know, <laughs> he's proper. Oh, I see. Right. <laughs> Last thing. What did you guys make of the uh, the infographics this time around? They were much plainer. Uh, it was pretty much just kind of like text. Um, yeah. Uh, they didn't they didn't stand out to me, like especially when we were looking at um, even the Marauder stuff. Um, it was it was okay. It, it provided the necessary information, um, and even then it was cryptic. So like not all of it. Uh, I felt tied into the issue, uh, which was which I, I think is the first time that that's happened. Because at least every other time that we've seen it, it, it informs something. It provides like some larger general context to what we're reading. But this was one of the first ones where I thought that I didn't necessarily see something written affect the story directly. Um, uh, I don't know that I agree with that. Because uh, I think the the first one is definitely laying threads for us. Um, the one about the X in the circle, right? Uh, I think that's definitely going to come into play later. And, like, there's implications in the second part where it's that, that like, poem or the extraction from that book or whatever. And it's saying how mutants aren't able to access the magic of... Um, my god what is it oh of uh yeah yeah you know what i'm talking about uh avalon avalon yeah thank you they're not able to access the magic of of avalon but like obviously they are because betsy did um and i'm wondering if that's gonna come into play like mutants learning how to use magic and how like that could affect the advancement of krakoa because in the beginning, too, there's also um, – or not even just in the beginning, but, like, there's a few times throughout the book where the theme of magic being something that was, um, you know, like, used to be really important to humanity and that it was replaced by all these other things. And now it's treated as if it's a joke. 
and like Apocalypse comments on that in the book. It's brought up in these these supplemental things as well. And I think that I think that this might be moving towards a broader thing of mutants as a society and an advanced society, like accepting and utilizing magic uh, to their advantage in a way that they never have before. They do so live in society. Yes, exactly. Of course. Um, so I, I actually think that these will have more significance as the book goes on. Um, and I, I thought that they dropped some threads that will matter later. These were the first infographics that I just straight up didn't like. They, they felt like, oh, I want to write something spooky. So I'm going to write something spooky. They didn't, they, all the infographics of the past feel like data entries that um, someone would sit down and write to nail this down. Like we need to, we need this documented for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and these just these didn't feel quite like that for me. Um, I was I just wasn't I just wasn't into them. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. If if. Uh... This this is like really I think the first real feeling of like oh this isn't Hickman yeah so yeah I'll give you that it definitely feels atonal um from what we've seen before especially like the as above so below mm-hmm. thing like that's that so I really didn't like yeah it's played out and also who would if this is a legitimate data entry that's you know, being put there by someone for a specific purpose. Who would do that? Like, why would, you know, that, I don't, I don't know. Or there'd be more, more incantations and like symbology, maybe even. Right. And maybe, I don't know, maybe you'd have a grimoire for that or something, but this is just, it's just a little bit too showy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think, I think that's a fair criticism for sure. But overall, did we enjoy it? Yeah. I would say I did overall enjoy it. Um, again, perhaps not as much as the two books that we've read so far, but you know, again, that's a pretty high bar. I really liked both of those books, so I'm still interested in this book. Um, so that's that's good. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was fun enough for the story, but I don't know that this one is one that I'll, I'll pick up um, or like would read the second issue for. I don't think it it did enough to to bring me in. Um, yeah. Betsy and the new Captain Britain outfit was pretty cool. Like that was that. cool. Yeah, like that. Uh, otherwise, it was it was just fine. I had no strong feelings about it. Honestly, it was just, it just felt like an average comic book. Yeah, I think uh, I think this is the only one so far. Where if I didn't continue to read it, I will personally. But if I didn't continue to read it, I wouldn't feel like I was missing out on too much. I enjoyed it enough that I want to read more. But if I chose not to or I couldn't follow it for some reason, I wouldn't I wouldn't feel badly. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So that's going to do it for our Excalibur review. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the book. Hopefully you guys enjoyed our discussion about it. Let us know in a myriad of ways that you can get at us what you thought about this or anything else uh, in the Comics Pals world or in the comic book world. 
We are on all podcast hosting platforms, of course. Uh, hit the man up. Hit Marco up. If we're not there, yell at him. He's the guy. Uh, <laughs> I got you. Get us on social media at the Comics Pals. Uh, make sure that you guys are hitting us up on iTunes, hitting us up on SoundCloud, wherever it is that you listen to us, and leaving us a review, some kind of comment. We really appreciate those, and uh, they're very, very important to what we do here. So, um, you know, do that for us. Uh, if you haven't already, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. You can get us on YouTube where we've got plenty of interviews. If you enjoyed any of the interviews that we did at New York Comic Con and you stopped checking the YouTube for whatever reason, you should really go back because there are more. I guarantee you there are more. Click that notification bell. Yes, do that so that you are made aware whenever we drop our stuff. And I want to plug once again the Uzumaki Book Club. That was really good. And our uh, Watchmen reviews. We've got two so well, by the time this comes out, we may have three in the bank. Um, So, yeah. Listen to those. If you are on Watchmen, we want to hear from you. Listen to those. Write in if you are on Watchmen. We will read your comments on that show. So, uh, yeah, please hit us up. Let's do some plugs, Pete. We watched Watchmen, so you should watch Watchmen, too. Yeah. <laughs> watch us watching Watchmen. <laughs> All right. Uh, so thanks, guys, for joining us on another episode of the Comics Pals. If you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, come talk to me about what's going on in the world of X-Men because that's what I'm most excited to talk about. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you want to connect with me uh, or see other stuff that I do, I'm over at uh, loopots.com. I host their podcast, The Podscast, and uh, After Dark, which is the Patreon-exclusive show. So go check that stuff out too. All right, Marco. You can find me on Instagram at Twitter at Mr. Marco Animoto. Uh, you can also find Kale at kaleward.com and Toto in Toe on all his social medias. Uh, he also does a podcast with his wife called Gone Global. Go check him out. Yeah, I think this week's episode is where he talks about becoming the Joker. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess if that's still timely. No, I'm sorry, Phil. Phil, it's the jokester. The jokester. Sorry, the, our mere humble jokester. We live in a society. Um, you can follow me on the uh, the the Twitter and the Instagram, as a 60 year old man might say, uh, on Cyborg Bebop, uh, where I post pictures of cats and uh, uh, talk about pooping sometimes. So that's get disgusting. in, get in on that. <laughs> As for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. Hit me up to talk about what your favorite Jean Grey costume is. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> and, and with that, we are the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Get it with that thick black queen. Oh, does anyone want to see me? No. I'll wear the black queen outfit. <laughs> no, please. <laughs> no, thank you, Canadian Wolverine. No, oh, thank you. I got a beer gut, eh? Too many Lawsons. <laughs> <laughs>